when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of that. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. And as my, as the head football coach at South Carolina, my job is to do what I feel is best for the University of South Carolina football program today and going forward in the future. And that's what I did. We wish him well and uh, have nothing but uh, 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 we, we wish him well. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, man, not a ton. The weather's starting to warm up. We got spring football. We got the you know mm-hmm. SEC tournament right around the corner, NCAA tournament. It's a good time, brother. Uh, how you doing? Yeah, no, very good time. The the SEC tourney cranked today, and uh, like you said, we got a little little basketball to get us through to spring practice. So uh, yeah, it's a good time, man. Just love seeing the sports. Love seeing you know the positivity here. And uh, uh, did you get? Uh, hopefully, you got us a little bit of news. I mean, you sent me over a clip. Sounds like we got some activity. Yeah, we got quite a bit around the uh, SEC. It's not. I know most people focus on basketball, but this is obviously a football show. We got plenty of football <laughs> to get to. We're not going to do the basketball this on this show, but hey, before we get to that, wanted to ask you your quick thoughts, Shane, on you know those uh, explosive comments there we had from old Rush on the last show talking mm. cheatings around the SEC, alleged, <laughs> I should say, alleged cheating, and then my God, the biggest bombshell everyone overlooked was the fact that. Uh, you know, he says that uh, when he was at Hoover High there, he was paying high school players with drug money. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how that got overlooked in the whole saga, but uh, just your quick thoughts on that. Is that what the D.A.R.E. program is all about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, here's the deal, Mike. I love, I love when these come out, you know, just like some – because I'm not saying I love let me let me clarify what I'm saying there, Mike. When we when we send something like that, it's oh, it's it's kind of funny watching this tweet, and, and it felt like you're watching it go across the country. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you're sitting, and then it's like Tennessee, like oh, you know, here we got trouble, McDonald's, blah blah blah, you know, and then all this stuff, and then then you can feel it kind of float down to Florida, and they're just like oh, you know, burn it down, you know? <laughs> and then it comes. 
Then it comes up to Georgia, and they're like, ah, no news here. Josh is, I mean, you know, <laughs> Probst is on probation himself, you know. <laughs> so it's just, it was just kind of, it was just kind of comical watching this thing bounce around the SEC. And, uh, you know, I don't, you know, here, here it is. A couple guys talking, you know, you and me talking. You catch us, and, and I'm sure there's been some times that we've, we've made allegations of, of, you know, programs doing something shady or something along those lines. But I got to ask you, what is it? Cause I, I don't, I, you're going to have to, for the listeners, I'm sure you went over this in the last podcast, but uh, you, you know, what was he on probation? What is he currently being investigated for? I mean, he's been charged with everything in the damn book, brother. I mean, he's uh, accused of, I think giving out pain meds to football players mm. that uh, you know don't have prescriptions. He's accused of there was a quarterback that uh, was it from California committed to USC, mm-hmm. and then you know when California didn't have high school football last year, he moved to Georgia. He was playing for Rush, and apparently mm-hmm. they were paying the family for that. And I think he was ruled, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was ruled ineligible, couldn't play for Rush. That was a big story. So, I mean, just about anything and everything. I mean, he's certainly a dirty, dirty guy. And, and hell, he had multiple families while he was doing all this stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if nothing else, he's just a terrible, terrible person. But he's the type of oh, guy yeah. that would uh, be well-informed of this activities. You know what? Exactly. Exactly, Mark. Let's think I was, uh, I was thinking about getting in a NASCAR. You know what I'm saying? Like driving, driving race cars or something like that. Uh, who better to learn from or ask questions about or understand than somebody that's in that, that realm, you know, maybe a, a retired driver or something along those lines, then ask somebody that's never had, you know, maybe have a good opinion on how, how to do it, but just never have done it. So, uh, that's a terrible example too, Mike. So, you know, let me just, how about the Tommy boy butcher's ass or <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's right, Mike. You know, you could you get, get a good look at a T-bone and stick your head up a, a bull's ass, but wouldn't you rather take the butcher's word for it? That's exactly that's the perfect analogy for this, you know. Because so part of me goes that way, and then part of me, how credible do you think this is on a scale of one to ten? One being like uh, this is nothing. Ten being like we should probably contact the NCAA. Where where are you on the spectrum? Well, first of all, I don't think they're gonna contact the NCAA but remind me who are the best recruiters who gets all the good players mm-hmm. Nick Saban Kirby Smart who got you know accused to do it all this Jeremy Pruitt who worked under them yeah I don't know I mean it's clear as day there and and this is really nothing against them it's uh it's just college football man hell I'm reading right now if you haven't read it Junction Boys you know they even made a movie over it yeah the saga of uh, Bear Bryant taking over at Texas A&M. First chapter in the damn book, Bear Bryant gets to College Station. What does he do? He assembles his staff like any other coach would do. He kept one guy. Mm-hmm. Step number two, bring me the top five, six boosters we have. And what did he do? He said, boys, how committed are you to bringing Texas A&M back? Threw down a hat. They gave him $30,000 to go recruit players. I mean, and this is a book that Gene Stallings 
gave the uh, intro to to say, yeah, everything in this book happened. Gene Stallings was on the team. So <laughs> this is a tale as old as time. I don't think it's that big a deal, but that's a good point. I just think it's it's fantastic to uh, you know have the the curtain peeled back a little bit. And that's why you're talking about it going from school to school to school all over the country, because we just, yeah, any kind of gossip, whether there's 1% of truth or 99% of truth, uh, we just, we're just kind of crave this, this stuff. I don't know about you, but I certainly do. Oh, I, dude, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, man. I listened to it about 10 times. So, you know, I was, which I, I wish I was in the room so I could ask a few more questions, you know, I, did you see Nick Chubb getting out there? saying if he needed money, he would have went to the NFL. Did you see that? Yeah, so that's the one guy. I don't <laughs> I don't think there's any way that he's uh, taking money. You know what I mean? So that was that makes the allegations look could, pretty bad. But, but again, you just never know, but, you know? Yeah, again, you never know. Nick Chubb, we don't know what his draft stock would have been, but a combination of that, get you another year, hey, while you're here, here's a little extra money, you know, to just make your your senior year a lot cooler. <laughs> you know, it's just like there's a charger out in the front parking lot just for you. So, I mean, that's, that's I mean, one of my favorite all time favorite movies is blue chips, you know? So <laughs> it's just, I, I, I think about this every time I see these recruits do these big swings and stuff, it's like, man, somebody's dad got a tractor. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, that's, yeah, I, I obviously there's where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's probably a little bit of uh, a truth to this, but uh, uh, but that's just that's that's the nature of this game, man. That's why I think we just need to we just need to come out and and start paying these guys, uh, so we're not doing it behind these because clearly places like Alabama, places like Georgia, you know, if they are doing this, and again, we're not accusing them, but they're pretty damn good at landing recruits, and you know, I think I just think it could. Even the playing field, if there was a little bit more transparency with uh, with the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, Shane, enough spieling about this. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. Uh, my, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, we're going to start here in Gainesville. Because old Dan Mullen met with the media just the other day, and Florida's uh, further along in spring than anybody in the SEC. They started first. Of course, they have come out and said there's no not going to be a Florida spring game. They're not allowing the media to come to practices. So very guarded with the information. Dan Mullen was even asked about, uh, I believe his name's Demarcus Bowman, their new running back from Clemson. Did he get hurt? There's some kind of speculation. He would not even discuss that. So just, you know, the, the simple matter is 
not getting a ton of information coming out of Gainesville at this point. They're doing all their videos via Instagram and tweeting it out and all this. And it's pretty comical more than anything, just watching uh, the comments. Cause I'll go and watch these videos. Right. And, and there's fans, you know, I'm sure there's diehard fans watching, but there's also casual fans wondering where's Kyle Trask. Where's, you know, like, <laughs> just going on asking questions you think, uh, you know, casual fans would be asking. But that's kind of the nature of where we're at right now with Florida football. But the only information we are getting is coming from these press conferences that these coaches are having. And uh, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this one, Shane, because Dan Mullen was asked about Emory Jones. Mm-hmm. He's really talking this guy up. We all know, you know, it's kind of, kind of be the weight of the offense going to be on Emory Jones' shoulder with so many receivers off to the NFL, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, all off to the NFL. Dan Mullen talking up Emory Jones like he can make some throws that Kyle Trask can't. And he also talked about, you know, the huge storyline there in Gainesville all offseason is going to be, has Todd Grantham fixed this defense? Dan Mullen thinks uh, defense is going to make a little bit of a comeback this year. Hey, Coach, one of the things um, Kyle Trask did really well was being able to read the defense, but he also threw with great touch, like when he needed to. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't fastball. Um, have you seen that in Emory Jones' game to, to know when to take something off of, of a pass when it needs to be? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of that, though, comes from experience. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, Kyle uh, – the more you play, the more you get to understand the defense and you read the defense and then you understand the type of throws that you have to make uh, to go beat it. So, I mean, Emory's going to be a very different player than Kyle. So, I mean, there's going to be zero, but every quarterback is. I don't, you know, everybody loves to compare this guy to that guy. Well, there, there is no comparison. You know, I mean, they're, they're all individuals and they all have their own strengths. So, uh, it's poor for us to play to his strengths, but I mean, he can, he can make there. There's a lot of throws that Emory can make that Kyle couldn't make. So, uh, that'll, that'll allow us to tweak and change some things within the scheme. Dan, uh, I want to go back to something you said earlier. Uh, which specific throws does Kyle make? I mean, does Emory make that Kyle could not? Emory well, I mean, Emory's got a much stronger arm. You know what I mean? So you, on certain deep balls, that there are certain uh, deep balls that he can throw, I think, because he's got a stronger arm. Um, you know, and it's, it's not a knock against Kyle. I think everybody sees that with Kyle, the accuracy. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, Kyle's, Kyle's probably much more accurate uh, passer. But, I mean, I think if you look at his numbers, he's, uh, it was close to 70% completions, I think, which is one of the most accurate uh, probably in, in school history. So uh, there's been a lot of quarterbacks play here at Florida. So uh, the, um, you know, I just think they're very different players. And so the, the, the key is, you know, I think key in coaching that gets missed sometimes. People are like, hey, this is our system and this is what it is. And, you know, if, you, if you're a square peg or a round hole, just keep slamming it until you become round and fit in there. You know, our, our job is to mold it as coaches and kind of tweak around the strengths of the players. So we'll build around the strengths of the quarterbacks that are here now just very much the way we built around Kyle's strengths uh, over the last uh, two years. And, um, you know, I think one of the things, and you'll see, I mean, that's, that I mean, I'm excited for Kyle and his future. Uh, obviously, I think his game really translates well to the next level. And, um, you know, so I expect uh, someone's going to be pretty fortunate here coming up uh, in the draft. And Two things. Uh, so back to Emory for a sec, because that did kind of like hit me when you said throw. Is, you know, not to channel George Whitfield or anything here, but 
can he make the so-called off-schedule throws better maybe too? Well, I, I think they're different in how they make those. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so so Kyle, I thought, you know, Kyle was really, you know, is a really pocket guy. I mean, he can slide in the pocket. And he can make this and arm angle and change. But, you know, you know, Emery's a guy that's going to extend, but he can extend outside. And now when you extend outside, he's got the threat of run uh, because he's so dynamic in the open field with the ball in his hand, um, you know, and his ability to throw on the run and make some – you know, use some arm talent, you know, to kind of be off balance while you're running one direction and just be able to use your arm to flip the ball in another direction. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're just totally different players, you know what I mean? And so, you know, ours is, I mean, we're not going to change who we are um, offensively. You know, like I said, you're going to see a lot of the same offense that we've been running. Uh, but what is funny is kind of how they run the plays within the offense are going to look differently, even though it's the same type of offense because they're very different talent player-wise. And then just as a follow-up, obviously last year, I think with the lack of the offseason, everybody was expecting offenses to be ahead of defenses. Do, do you think this year, maybe with your team, you could see the defense be at a, you know, at a, at a better place this time of year than they were last year? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it'll, it'll – uh, It'll help. I think, uh, you know, I think last year, especially, you know, offenses being ahead possibly, but especially experienced groups uh, Mm -hmm. being ahead. And, um, you know, we had some experience on that side of the ball uh, last year. Uh, The fact that we're young this year, uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see for us. You know, I think a lot of it's going to be from, you know, that that end of spring ball to the start of training camp is is always such a critical time in every team's growth and development, you know. And when we are limited as coaches of what we can do and the contact we have with the players, uh, when you start limiting all of their stuff and their growth and their development, what they do on their own to continue to improve is so critical. And so, uh, you know, I think that has a lot to do with it. And I think obviously, you know, last year, uh, you didn't have a spring practice. So there was, you know, they didn't have all the video. They didn't have the ability to watch themselves on film. They didn't have the ability to go learn and try to and physically go do it. You know, and then you're trying to figure out how to do all this Zoom stuff and learn through Zoom and not in person. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot more opportunity to be, to develop uh, at a much, much better rate this year, obviously, than last year. And I think development is critical, especially for young players. And we have a lot of young players. So uh, that end of spring to the start of training camp, though, is such a critical time in that growth and development. All right, Chase. So there you have it from Coach Mullen. And let me ask you this, because this is kind of, this is what I was thinking when Dan Mullen said this. Considering, I know that the end of the season didn't go quite as well as we hoped there for the Gators, but, I mean, Kyle Trask was so money last year, he damn near won the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. Is it a mistake for him to kind of come out here and say, well, you know, Emory can make some throws he can, or, or do you think that's just kind of par for the course here? No, that, I mean, this is, I mean, you think about, before this it was Franks and you know getting his mind right because uh, quarterbacks can be a fragile position I, I I just think that he's just getting out ahead of this thing letting you know trying to stop the comparisons before they get going because like you said Trask was uh, impressive very he was amazing and and to compare the two you, we don't want that we don't want we don't want him going back and forth. We want the full weight, the full support behind Emory so that he knows that he's got the job, he can focus, and he doesn't have to look over his shoulder. Not saying that there isn't a quarterback, you know, 
challenge here because you saw, uh, I mean, he kept saying the same thing about Franks. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, Kyle Trask is the man, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, but uh, I, I think this is just more for the quarterback psyche than it is the fans. Now there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about the Gators. This has kind of been a hot topic here in Gainesville this week. If you missed it, Florida did pick up a uh, commitment from a quarterback, Mm -hmm. three-star named Nick Ivers of Texas. Mm -hmm. And this comes right after, you know, not long, I think it was maybe the next day after Dak Prescott signed his mega extension with the Dallas Cowboys, $160 million. Mm -hmm. SEC fans should know the story, but in case you don't, Dak Prescott, Louisiana native, Les Miles, (laughs) Ooh, that's another rabbit hole, but Les Miles <laughs> thought he was a damn tight end, wouldn't even recruit him to be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullen identified him, helped develop him into the star quarterback he is now for the Dallas Cowboys. So you'd think, and it's not just da- Dak Pres- Prescott, I mean, it's Felipe Franks, it's Kyle Trask, it's mm-hmm. Alex Smith. I mean, go on and on and on. Dan Mullen's got as impressive a resume as anybody in the country at developing the quarterback position. And I'm not trying to call this kid out that just committed from Texas because he'll probably be a star if he's going to play for Dan Mullen. But yeah, let's not act like he was the first guy on their list. Uh, in, in recent mm-hmm. weeks, they lost a four-star quarterback to Florida State. They lost a four-star quarterback to Texas A&M that had a Gators offer. Sam Horn, the Georgia native, four-star, picked Missouri. Florida had offered him as well. And then they were after a guy named K. Klubnik, I think is how you say that. Mm-hmm. He picked Clemson last week over Florida. Now, I know I just named some really good teams there, but again, Dan Mullen's got such an outstanding reputation as a quarterback, developer. Should Florida fans be worried at all that, um, I mean, I don't know what more you could need to see from Dan Mullen to, if you're number one quarterback in the nation to say, I want to go play for this guy because he's going to get me to the NFL. He's going to make me a star in college and NFL. Yet mm-hmm. he just seems to strike out with with uh, a lot of these elite quarterbacks. So <laughs> I don't know. That's a long spiel there, but any concern? I mean, particularly when you look at damn Georgia and and Alabama now. Those are your that's your competition in the SEC. Right. Landing five star after five star at the quarterback position. Is this a cause for concern at all for the Gators? Do you think? Well, I don't know if it's concern. Um, I just think, like you like you said, you look at the track record, you're like, well, you know, he's able to make diamonds out of Colt, you know. he's. You look at Kyle Trask, who didn't even start in high school, you know, and, and made him not just a starting quarterback at the University of Florida, but a potential – I mean, he, there was there was at times he was a contender for the Heisman. So that's what Dan's been able to do. Now, what Dan's not been able to do is recruit. So it's, it, you know, acting like like this is the first year he's not been able to get a quarterback. That ain't the case. Dan's had it. I mean, he struggled. He struggled getting that talent. But the talent that he does find, he always makes elite. So I, I'm not overly concerned, especially when we're just talking quarterback here. Um, you know, there's a reason when he picks up a quarterback, there's a reason. Dan sees something in him. So, um, you know, that, that raised my eyebrow a little bit. So I, I think, I think you're okay, but it does make you wonder what, what if, what if one of these studs, you know, landed on the, uh, at Gainesville and, 
and what could Dan do with them? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think not concerned, but maybe a little agitated, <laughs> a little frustrated. Yeah, just for the life of me, you know, I'm not. I'm gonna nothing but piss Georgia fans off on this one. But I just can't understand a quarterback wanting to play for Kirby Smart over Dan Mullen. Hell, they even got uh, Carson Beck over yeah. <laughs> over Dan Mullen. But <laughs> hey, the way that the way it's going in Florida. When these uh, guys enter the transfer portal, it seems like half the elite guys are landed up in Gainesville anyway. So mm-hmm. it's working out in the end. But that's just something to, to monitor. I just, I just kind of shake shake now, my head yeah. at how many quarterbacks decide not to play for for Dan Mullen. Now, what was Emory's ranks coming out? He was pretty highly talented. Oh yeah, he was an elite one too. He was uh, originally committed to Ohio State. And then he decommitted. I think he picked Florida over maybe Florida State, Georgia, mm-hmm. Penn State. I mean, he had all the offers. So that was a big get for sure. But I don't know. It just I don't know, it just surprised me that they don't basically get whoever the hell they want at the quarterback position yeah. right now with Dan Mullen there. He must, you know what? God, he must just be really bad at it. You know, just sitting in the living room awkward as shit and you you know i don't want my kid playing for this guy <laughs> you know? that's the only thing i can guess is he's just terrible at short small talk you know and and their parents just like i don't know if i can trust this guy you know so i don't know maybe <laughs> <laughs> all right let's skip it on down next shane to rocky top real quick because, uh, you know, I already played a couple of comments from these defensive assistant coaches, but one guy mm-hmm. I didn't include, Rodney Gardner. Shane and I were talking before the pod. You know, clearly this is a pod where we like to try to pump up these teams as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And we all know rough times on Rocky Top at the moment. Not to say they can't have a good season, but, you know, let's look at the bright side of things here, Shane, where we may have hired a bunch of uh, – offensive coaches with the exception of Cody Burns that you know not a lot of big names that SEC fans know but on the flip side man this defensive staff loaded with SEC experience and it all starts with Rodney Garner in my opinion maybe the best defensive line coach out there and I thought uh, you know he had a lot to sell and a lot of positives to say about Tennessee in his press conference. So here's Rodney Gardner on what he looks for in a lineman and just uh, how he evaluates the guys that he has inherited there on Rocky Top. How do you learn what guys can do? Um, is that solely a, a decision based on what you see in practice or what's your research look like on them in the past? How do you learn that? So obviously, you know, they're creatures of habit. Uh, you know, obviously what we do in practice, you know, uh, you know, what they put on tape. Like I've tried to tell them, there's there's three things that will never lie to you. You know, that's the Bible, the mirror, and film. So, you know, obviously what they're putting on film, you know, that's who they are, what they are. Uh, but we've got to find a way uh, to help them improve uh, where they can execute at a, at a high level. And the one thing that I think is very consistent, these guys are hungry. They want to win, and they want to they wanna play better, and they want to improve their game. So it's it's going to be exciting for both sides, for them and for me, to be able to work together and see what we can achieve. Uh, being an attack and react type front, I was wondering if you could elaborate kind of what do you feel like the hallmarks will be 
um, of the defensive line in this scheme? How would you like to see your guys play? Well, obviously, you know, you want to play violent. You know, it's a violent game. You know, we want to strike. We want to create knockback. Uh, we want to, you know, we want to perfect, you know, block destruction. Uh, you know, be able to hold a point on the different combo blocks and just be very disruptive uh, up front. And also at the same time, being mindful of, uh, you know, that we've got to protect that second level guys too and not just let guys climb. So when I say attack and react, we're not just going to be running up field, but we've got to read our pressure points as we're working vertical. And we got to recognize the different blocking schemes that we're getting. And we got to be able to play those blocks. Well, I, I think stability is important in anything. And um, that was one of the things that, you know, Coach Hype talked about. You know, you know, I look at, you know, when we were talking, you know, when he was formulating his staff, you know, he's, he was looking for men that wanted to be here at Tennessee and not look at it as a springboard to the next job. You know, and obviously, like I told him, I feel like, you know, UT is a destination spot. Uh, it's definitely a spot that, you know, I'm excited to be back at. I'm excited to help it get back to the elite status that it deserves. My family's excited about it. You know, obviously, my second oldest daughter was born here at Fort Sanders. So to us, you know, it's just a combination of, of everything, of life coming full circle. And, uh, and I'm hoping that we will be able to form and play at a level that we will be able to create consistency. And the only way we're going to do that, though, you know, obviously we're in the bottom line business. You know, we've got to perform and uh, we've got to play at a high level. But that's that's going to be our goal every day. You know, I'm committed to giving 110, 120 percent to help these young men in all areas in their lives to develop as players and as men and to help help UT get back to where it belongs. All right, Shane. So I've been just listening to the guy. You can see why such an outstanding recruiter for such a long time at places like Georgia and Auburn. And this is actually his second stop here at Tennessee. And not only is he a recruiter, he gets guys to the NFL. I think he's had about 10 first round picks in his long career. So uh, as Tennessee Homer, Shane, how much confidence does it give you now that remember this last season, Tennessee went half the year without a damn defensive line coach. Now we're talking major, major upgrade uh, for that unit going into next year. Yeah. I, I, I like this man because there is talent on that front. And uh, this is a guy that's been able to develop it, uh, been able to put it in the league. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited. Not only just the recruits that, that hopefully he can land this year, but, you know, just like you said, we've that that's been a real weakness at times for Tennessee, and it kind of surprised me because I thought that was going to be one of our stronger positions last year. So I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, man. And I think not only the performance on the field, but particularly the recruiting, which is going to mm -hmm. be paramount. I think in the Josh Heupel program, I think the recruitment of the defensive line is going to take a serious uptick uh, on Rocky Top. Yeah, for sure. All right, Shane, let's jump it all day to Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Because all the Tigers, they're the other team that's, uh, you know, they're already into week two, I believe, of, of spring camp here. And we've been in spring camp long enough. We're getting media availability with some players and defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. And, again, this is one of those hires this offseason season. 
Didn't see this one coming. I didn't know a ton about Steve Wilkes. Just knew he was an NFL coach. And the more I hear from this guy, the more I like what he's going to bring to Eli Drinkowitz's program. Kind of same deal as what we were just talking about with Tennessee. We all know Drinkowitz, an offensive guy, specializes in quarterback development, really started to get uh, the freshman Connor Basilak going. The running game was going. Now they need to make sure that the issues that they had on the defensive side of the ball do not repeat going into this next season to try to you know, capture that momentum that they have in Missouri at the moment. So let's kick it over to defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes talking about uh, – and remember, he's not been in college football for a long time. He's been in the NFL for about 20 years, something like that. Yeah. So he talks about uh, the transition of, of getting to know his players. Is that different in college as opposed to NFL on uh, installing his scheme and developing relationships? And the key to the defense, he says, stopping the run – that was that's been something that uh, Eli Drinkwitz and Coach Wilkes have hit on this spring. You've been through this a lot at both the college and the pro level, but but what is this stage like where you're you're getting the players used to your voice, your style, how you do things, and and maybe what are the differences between that acclimation process from college to pro? I don't think it's it's a big difference. I think it's a process of, of, of time. You know, uh, the difference is, you know, you have those guys all day from really like 6.37 to like 5. And, of course, here we got obligations with school, class, uh, academics, study hall, et cetera. Uh, but we do a great job within the 20 hours of really trying to orchestrate things to, you know, have good meeting time, good walkthrough, good practice. Uh, and the recall has been there. So uh, the process is going well. Steve, kind of a similar question. Coach Drinkwitz has said uh, the biggest part of spring practice is individual development. So how do you balance that emphasis on individuals um, while also installing your scheme? I think it's, it's, um, it's hand in hand, to be honest, Wilson. When you, when you really talk about trying to implement your scheme and then, you know, uh, individual development, you can see that within the process of what you're doing. So, uh, you know, we never sway away from, fundamentals and technique, you know, uh, again, I've said this for years, you're not trying to really out scheme our opponent. We want to outplay him and how you outplay him, I believe is with the fundamentals and technique of the game. Yeah, coach, you kind of led into my question, but I know coach Drinkwitz has said the one thing he wants the defensive staff to come in with every week is a, is a plan to stop the run. And I'm just curious, philosophically, schematically, what, what is, what does that look like for you? Well, I think it, it really depends on who you're playing. You know, I can, give you an overall and say that, you know, within our defense, we, you know, we gapped out, we gap sound, that everybody has a gap. It's about being disciplined and staying within your gap. Um, you know, eight-man front, you know, being able to incorporate split safety at times. But uh, it's just a mixture because when you look at, you know, uh, across the board, whatever level, you know, it's very hard to limit the, the guys in the passing game. Guys are going to get their passing yards. The one thing you can't do, Colin, is try to – allow those guys to be able to run and pass. It's going to be a long day. So the, our number one deal is to stop the run first. All right, Shane. So there you have it from <laughs> Steve Wilkes. And I kind of thought uh, the last point he made was kind of the most interesting because the way college football is now, I mean, hell, if you hold someone to like 28 points, you're doing a good job. Right. They're going to be throwing all over you. There's going to be yards given up. But it's, a, it's about stopping the run, particularly in the red zone and, you know, in short yardage situation. 
I don't know if Missouri, I know last year they had issues with uh, depth. Now they've got some a lot of guys returning on that defensive interior. All of a sudden that could be a strength of the defense. But I just thought Missouri fans would appreciate getting some insight from Coach Wilkes on what their defense has, has got going. And what are your thoughts on Missouri turning it over to this uh, longtime NFL coach? Now he's trying to handle stop and SEC offenses. Obviously, I was really excited. I think this is a fantastic hire, obviously, for Mizzou. And it's going to tell you, it's going to take a little while to get used to all these new voices. You know? <laughs> it's like we're rolling on, you sit this over at Podnote, and I was like, who the hell is this guy? But I had to, <laughs> finally, I put two and two together, you know? So it, t- it took me a minute. But, you know, he, I, I can be honest with you, man. This, this got a little coach speak to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just felt like, I mean, stop the run. Yeah. In the nineties, I, I think we need to we need to stop the pass. We need to, we need to create long you know long third down. I, I don't think you do that. I, I think I think you said you look at who they got in the East or just anybody in the SEC. Short of Kentucky, most teams are going to be throwing a lot. So uh, uh, I so that's why I'm I'm not going to read too much into this. It's nice hearing him. I, I think he had some great things to say. But uh, I think he got a little little coach speak in there. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad you said that, Shane, because I felt the same way. Wanted to get some actual insight here from Coach that I kind of felt was lacking. Mm-hmm. But then they interviewed a player, brother. Enos Rakeshaw, this is uh, was the big-time commit that, uh, you know, there's that famous photo of Eli Drinkowitz screaming and pumping his fist. It's because they landed this kid over Alabama and I believe Texas. So he was interviewed about uh, being coached by Steve Wilkes. He seems to really like it, and he really hammered home that the, you know, the emphasis is going to be on scoring on defense, forcing turnovers, and that's something they're going to work on day in day out. Let's kick it over to him. And as, uh, besides the switch to zone, what 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 about Coach Wilkes's coaching style? Do you think uh, you know could generate more turnovers? What 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 is he to preach that? Coach Wilkes' philosophy is score on D. Like he showed us a picture of his car. Like it has Charles D on the back of the license plate. So he take it serious. So we got us a chart where like it's takeovers, how many times you punch at the ball. So now like everything now is getting documented. Like you don't want to see your name on a list or not trying to take the ball away. But that's what we all about this year. When we he came in with a goal and he was like, I wanna I wanna lead the um league and takeaway. So we all gotta respect our coach and wanna and buy into what he's telling us. So when we all on the same page, we can make it happen. But yeah, he, he's scoring on D. That's gonna be our. That's it. That's his biggest thing to me. Um, his technique. He taught me some new things. Um, coming from where he been and the people he's seen and the people that he know. Um, I just take my culture from him because like, I can trust this man because he's been there, done it. Like everybody want to go to league, he's been there, done it. He's been a, a coach in the league. He done coach um, for the Panthers. He he got a lot of history. And then. And I, it just tremendous that he got the job here and now I'm here and I'm feeding off him and trying to learn as much as I can. All right, so there you got it, man. Coach Wilkes has got score <laughs> D on his damn license plate. That's how you know the guy's committed to it. You look at something like this, and it reminded me of something, Shane. You may look at it and say, well, hell, how's this any different than anybody else? I mean, they're they're monitoring you know, the, the turnovers and the takeaways, and they're they're making the players accountable for it. And it reminded me, We've hit on this before, but I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. And they hired a new offensive coordinator this past year, led the league 
in red zone scoring. And how did they do it? Apparently, this is something they all the players attribute it to. They made it, they called it the gold zone. And they made it like Austin Powers. I love gold. And you see after these guys <laughs> score, I mean, they're screaming, give me the gold, give me the gold. It's just little <laughs> motivational tactics like this that can really change a unit. And if that takes effect, I think it's that's going to be even more impactful at the college level, working with younger players, more enthusiastic players. I'm not saying Missouri is going to all of a sudden lead the SEC in turnovers and scoring on defense, but if Steve Wilkes can bring that mentality to Missouri, combine that with Missouri's powerful offense, explosive offense, we may have something cooking here, brother. And and I think Missouri, I may be a little bit too down on them at the at the moment. I I think if they're able to achieve this goal, they're going to be a hell of a dangerous team next year. Absolutely, man. And you think of like fantastic defenses in past, and or just exciting defenses. You you remember the the Land Sharks was a big deal mm-hmm. down there at Ole Miss. Those kids just got fired up and became a dangerous unit. Uh, I that so yeah. If coach comes out here and he gives us the same old coach speech, that's fine. But it sounds to me like when he's on the field, it's a different type of environment. He's a different type of guy. He's, he's a guy that's kind of sparked some of these kids. That, and you hear it. You're going to hear it from other players this year. Uh, and that's what you want. You want a nice, tenacious defense, just 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 aggressive and angry and looking for the ball 24-7. Uh, because in, in this day and age, man, with college football, yeah, is it? do we want to stop the run? Sure. Do we want to stop the pass? Absolutely. But sometimes it, it, it boils down to takeaways. You look at it, uh, you hear coaches talk about in the past, you look at the takeaway margin. Long, if you're getting the ball and you're getting your offense back on the field, you know, those are the successful defenses that, that we have to have this year. And it just feels like some of these players are taking I – mean, I mean, they've already taken roots, man. Mm-hmm. All right, let's skip it on down next to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where, hey, I put these teams back-to-back for a reason. They're both in spring camp right now. We hate each other. <laughs> exactly that's there it is right there not fan of one another and uh, the SEC announced this week Shane you know not a huge news or anything it's kind of expected but when the schedules came out these two were supposed to meet scheduled on Saturday mm-hmm. the game has officially been moved to Friday the Black Friday right after Thanksgiving like it traditionally is uh-huh. and it's going to be nationally televised by CBS once again Obviously, we didn't get that chance last year because of the the change in the schedules and all that. But it's good to see that this game's going back to the CBS window, nationally televised, because it was a man a hell one of the best games in the SEC last season. It's probably going to be even better this year. But uh, we've got again, we've got some player interviews here. I thought was pretty interesting, and with Arkansas coming off their first practice of the spring, we got Grant Morgan, who remember. He was a redshirt senior last year. He could be trying to go out for the NFL right now instead. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. He's a super senior. Talked about that improved leadership that he's seeing in Sam, what is Sam Pittman's first actual spring practice. And then uh, running back Traylon Smith, who's a big breakout candidate last year. Now he's a leader. What's he seeing in these quarterbacks? I just thought Razorback fans would appreciate these comments uh, about uh, the quarterback competition there in Fayetteville. And also, it looked like you guys were just pretty well-oiled, you know, going from 
position to position and going fast. Uh, what leads to that? And also, who had big plays? Who scored the ball? Uh, most definitely. Um, you know, Coach Coach um, Pittman um, coming into this spring, um, you know, he, he constantly speaks on tempo. You know, he want us to move. You know, he want everything to be fast, you know, on and off the field. Coming on the field, he want us running. Going off the field, you know, he want us running. And um, so coming into day one, you know, that was a big – that was on that was on our mind. And uh, so just transitioning on and off the field, that was huge today. And we did a great job of that. Um, who um Malik Hornsby had a good throw today down the field and too many drill, took us to like the five-yard line. I want to say Josh Osby on the outside zone um ended up bringing the um scoring the touchdown for us in the red zone. Um there was a lot of big plays today. You know, I broke on a few plays. I seen Traylon Burks on the other side of the field making good catches in the one-on-one drill. Um, the O-line busting their tail, um, defense working. But I really just like what I'm seeing across the whole board. K.J. Jefferson was looking good today as well. You know, he felt comfortable. He looked comfortable in, in, um, in the backfield. And I like to see – I like what I'm seeing from him. Basically a well-oiled machine going from one group to the next. I, I, what do you account for – being that smooth first day? Uh, leadership. You know, that's that's literally exactly the only answer for that. Um, the players are taking really good leadership offense and defense, and the coaches are just telling us what we do, and we roll with it. We, um, we have a lot of guys who are coming back, coming back and are really taking a step forward, and we know what to expect. We know um, where to go because of we've been through it before. This isn't our first first time doing it. It's our first spring ball, but it's not our first time being with these coaches, and it's, it's really um, shown for everybody, not just the old guys, but the young guys are following and they're doing really good. So uh, it's just straight up leadership and the players being leaders. Okay. Technically it was the first spring practice under Sam Pittman. What, what was today like? Today was awesome. Um, I don't think we could have started it any better. Um, we had a really good practice. We went really fast. We did um, a lot of good things. Um, he called us up in inside run afterwards and uh, he was just congratulating us on how great we did that right there and just telling us and saying, y'all really, that was the best inside period I've ever seen without pads. So um, we, we did good. Um, we had a lot of energy. We, we made mistakes, but it was at full speed. We are running around. Uh, so it was, couldn't ask for anything better than that. We, we really took today on and worked. All right, Shane. So whew, Grant Morgan's fired up. <laughs> all SEC, first team last year. Sounds like he's coming for all American this year. And then, I think it's got to be music to your ears if you're an Arkansas fan. K.J. Jefferson, Malik Hornsby. Sounds like it's neck and neck at the quarterback competition. And and kind of like Sam Pittman said, that's just going to make everybody better. And uh, I, I think this is going to be one of the more heated quarterback competitions in the SEC this offseason. Yeah. No, this is good. This is good stuff. I mean, you think about this time last year and, you know, spring getting canceled and, you knew it was going to hurt a lot of these programs, but you know Arkansas. Arkansas hit the ground running, and uh, and it sounds like this year is no different. Just having some of these seniors back, and uh, you know, it just built. I mean, they created the foundation last year. Now they're just adding to it. I just, I, I think I, I just love this story. This because this is a new new type of Arkansas football, and it all starts with the seniors. Uh, the leadership on that team and and these guys man it's like they are laser focused right now mm-hmm. and last thing on Arkansas Shea remember middle of the season pretty bizarre really there was no rationale given but uh, Jerry Jacobs the defensive back who came in from Arkansas State he was starting for the team he opted out mm. 
And Sam Pittman didn't really give much of an explanation. It sounds like there wasn't one because uh, Mm -hmm. Jerry Jacobs, he was welcomed back to Arkansas on Wednesday. They had their NFL Pro Day. So, you know, Arkansas, they could have been petty. They could have said, well, you opted out on us. Good luck with that, brother. You know what I mean? But they welcomed him back, and he says he completely – 1,000% 1,000% regrets the decision. It sounds like he didn't even give it a, a ton of thought, and Sam Pittman tried to get him to stay, but I just want to kick it over to Jerry Jacobs real quick. We haven't talked to you since your decision to opt out. Just uh, curious what, what played into into that decision. Um, you know, man, just going through stuff, I wasn't um, – my mind wasn't there. You know, I was just losing it. Um, honestly, it was me. You know, I wasn't – I won't say no COVID or nothing. It was just my decision, you know. I should have talked to someone before I made it. So, honestly, it was just my my decision. So, on up to it, you know, I learned from it. So, Jerry, how would you say that decision benefited you, you know, to this point, has benefited uh-huh. you to this point? Um, you know, at the, in the beginning, it was bad. You know, a lot of people were just curious and, you know, questioning me, like, why did I opt out? So, I feel like, you know, it was hurtful. But now that, you know, I did pro day and I, you know, they see me and stuff like that. So I feel like they just want to see can I handle adversity and you know, see if I can get coachable. So, you know, it hurt me a little bit, but I think I'd be still good. Jared, kind of listening to what you're saying, did, did you did you regret your decision to, to opt out the way you did? Like, did you want to come back after you made that decision? That was a percent sure, man. I regret it. Uh, if I can go back and, you know, do change my life. I mean, change that decision. That would be one of the main ones I did because I just felt like I did it on my own. I didn't talk to no one. You know, I talked to Coach Pittman, but he gave me a lot of reason why I should stay, but I probably wasn't just hearing it at the moment. Yeah, I feel like I regret it a thousand percent, but, you know, live and learn, so I had to let it go. All right, Shane. So, again, I think it's pretty class move here by Arkansas to let him finish out with the pro day, help his stock as much as they possibly could, but – Hate to hear it, man, because he was making an impact for the Arkansas Razorbacks, and they certainly missed him at the tail end of last season. But, you know, for whatever reason, man, some guys just make the decision. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's plenty of guys like a Jamar Chase didn't play last year. He's probably going to go top five. Right. It's not, it's not going to hurt him at all. But a guy like Jerry Jacobs, and, you know, there's many other examples. I'm not trying to just call him out here, but probably really – destroyed their stock you know what so it's just too damn bad that uh that it just kind of went down but at least he's open to the fact that uh you know shouldn't have made that decision yeah no i agree with you man and and, and, you know we don't know the stories we don't know behind the scenes and there's there's people in people's ears and there's 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 reasons they make decisions and you know i can't fault them they're still kids in my opinion you know so i just i just wish nothing but the best and hopefully you know it was the right decision mm-hmm. hey yo last thing shane let's jump on dan real quick to tuscaloosa Roll time! where right before we hopped on the pod i caught this so just wanted to throw it by you but nick saban he was on I'm not familiar with this show. I'm going to have to start checking it out. It's called the All Things Covered Podcast. And it's hosted by uh, Patrick Peterson, of course, former LSU standout. And uh, Brian mm-hmm. McFadden, who's, I think he went to Florida State. Oh. Former Steeler, I think. Yeah. Uh, they got a pod, and they had Nick Saban on. And they asked him the first thing I'd ask Nick Saban. <laughs> when are you going to retire? <laughs> 
Um, but is there a shelf life that you think about for coaching? And with all the success you've been able to obtain uh, and achieve in your coaching career, what still motivates Nick Saban? Well, I, I think the shelf life for me doesn't come with age or a number. Uh, it, it comes with do you still feel like you can create value in the organization by doing a good job and having an impact on you know, helping the players in the program have a better chance to be more successful in life because of the program that you have, whether it's personal development, academic support, graduating from school, helping them develop careers with football players. Uh, as long as I can do that, then I feel good about doing this. But I don't want to ride the program down. I mean, get to the point where you're not making a contribution and, and, and still try to continue to do it. So I, I really, and I don't know when that's coming. I don't know what number you know, that is. But, you know, I look at this whole thing in college coaching, you lose about 25% of your team every year. So it's almost like you took a new job. Yeah. The day after the national championship game or the day after the last game that you played, it's like, okay, this is a new job. We got, we're going to lose 25% of our team, a lot of really good players. Most of the time, the leadership on the team leaves. All right. So you have all these new challenges with people in new roles and uh, that's very challenging, you know, to me. And I still uh, enjoy doing that part of it. Um, I don't like to lose. Um, right. You know, it's it's all sort of – and every year it's a different challenge. Like, you know, when you win a championship, it's the complacency and all the things that go with that, people not understanding that success is not a continuum. It's momentary. you got to move on and you got to try to still figure out a better way and do all the things you did to help you be successful in the past – that's very challenging because it's not human nature to do that. You know, when we have success, we think we should be rewarded. I mean, that's right. society. That's the way it goes. But uh, in, in sports, you, you really can't, you, you can't smell the roses too long because somebody's going to be nipping at your heels and everybody's got that <laughs> circle next year to play their best against you. So, um, you know, you, 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 you know, you got to, get refocused on what you need to do and you got to get people in your organization refocused on what you need to do. And that's very challenging. So I enjoy that part of it. All right. So there you have it from coach Saban. <laughs> He's the only guy in the world, Shane, that would create a dynasty. Everyone is going to be envious of this guy's career. And yet instead of celebrating it, He's looking at it like an obstacle that must be conquered in Tuscaloosa, <laughs> the celebration of their success. But, that, hey, man, that's why he's the greatest. You know what? How old is he? He'll turn 70 this year. Golly, 70. I, I'm still – can you imagine? I mean, when I hit 70, Mike, I'm just going to hope that I have my favorite parking spot there at Hardest, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's still building dynasties down there, so – Oh man, he ain't going nowhere. I mean, the the guy's got, you know, I think they replaced a few things other than that hip last year, and uh, he's uh, he's he's just he's just full of life, full of energy. I just I don't see him bowing out anytime soon. And but like, you know, interesting comments there because I, I do see how this thing ends is when it finally does slip away from him, he's going to be gone, man. No, I'm not not like Spurrier. I think he'll play out the season, but it, it it won't be like, hey, in two years I'm I'm bowing out. It's gonna be like, no, this was it. This was my final run. So but uh I don't I just don't see it anytime soon because they're not slowing down. 
Mm-hmm. What? It, let me throw you this. I wasn't planning on asking you, but if he takes another job, and I don't, I assume it's not going to be like another head coaching job. Mm-hmm. If he takes another job when he's done coaching Alabama, where's he going to go? Do you think? Huh. I, I don't – maybe an athletic director, um, you know. I could see something like that maybe just – but I, I really think I, – I just can't see Saban doing anything past coaching Alabama. I think this is it. I think this is his final chapter in, in college football. Wouldn't wouldn't shock me to see him, you know, do a little bit more commentary. But That's where uh, I was going, man. I, I, I hope he's the next yeah. Lee Corso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, SEC would be nuts not to throw some money at him and and and, and get that going because, uh, you know, I love game day. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, Nick Saban's SEC brother, and if you could, if you could land him and Paul, and you know, maybe kick David Pollock off or something, you know, I, that show could be something. Yes, sir. <laughs> Just kidding, Georgia fans. <laughs> ah, that was for them dogs there. <laughs> No, uh, I, I I think I think a little commentary would be a perfect spot for him. I, I still see him involved in college football. I just I don't see it in, in the capacity of coaching or or you know mentoring anything. All right, Shane. Well, hey, that's gonna do it. Long one here. I hope the mm-hmm. the listeners appreciate it. And I teased it on the last show. Still got it lined up. I've got an interview coming up, so you're gonna have another episode. We've got. Uh, I think a really great guest coming up on the next episode, but uh, you got anything before we hop off here? No. Uh, uh, we, we, I am going to do the reviews. Uh, just this one went a little longer than expected, so uh, maybe the next pod we can we can do that. But other than that, my, oh, I, I did want to ask you. I know Florida has said no to spring game. Are they the only one, or is this, or is this SEC-wide? I mean, yeah. Arkansas, we're talking about these. Are they going to have a spring game? Florida came out first, said no spring game, and I was thinking, my God, I guess we're going to do this again, and no one's going to have a spring game. And then Georgia turned right around and said, boom, we're op- not only are we having a spring game, we're opening it up to fans, <laughs> and everyone else has followed Georgia's path. So Florida's the only outlier here. I don't have any idea why they made that decision and okay, I, good. I hope they reverse it but i've not heard there's any indication they will so we're gonna have 13 even vanderbilt's having a spring game so it, it, it looks like we're gonna have state, 13 of them yeah you think any state would have it open It'd be them guys you know or texas or something i know texas is going but mm-hmm. uh it just kind of surprised me you know dan went down there a and M. He got upset. So he's gonna come back and open the stadium, and now he's closing down spring practice. Come on, what are we doing? <laughs> I think we should open it up, man. We've done it long enough. Hell yeah! I think by the time Texas A and M gets to it, uh, we may it may be a full stadium if they can get that many people in there. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I'm going. Hell, I'll be at the orange and white game. So. <laughs> All right, Mike. No, that's all I got, man. Uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us on a on a May. What are we? What month? March? March? <laughs> yes, sir. March. Uh, oh shit! This beer's kicking in, Mike. I gotta get <laughs> off here, guys. I appreciate y'all and uh, love y'all. See y'all next time. All Go right. Balls. <laughs> thanks. For, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining me as always, Shane. Catch y'all on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls.